0: Amen, 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 amen. Wow, that was good. Thank you. Just preached my sermon, Rick. So, um, I usually have a funny little story or something to kind of break the ice, and uh, I don't. Somebody say, "Amen." Praise the Okay. Um, I was looking at this empty spot. You know, Master's Commissioner Way. They've been in Ocean City, Maryland. Uh, ministering at a uh, youth conference for the last three days, and they're on their way back, I guess, today. Um, and uh, it was a United Methodist. Did you know that? United, it was a United Methodist conference, and so I wondered how that went. Uh, Interdenominational, okay. But um, anyway, uh, so we're, we're praying for the safe travels for them to come home, and, and uh, anyway. But uh, I'm going to just jump right into it. I encourage you, if you're not coming to a care group uh, or home groups, you need to find one. Uh, there's four of them that meet over the month, and one let, met last week at a smalls group, and three of them are meeting tonight. There's maps out in the, above the foyer. Find one and go to it. Uh, it develops community. It develops relationships with the body of Christ. I know we're not a huge church, but still, it, it helps to have uh, that build those relationships, uh, especially in in times of need when you need somebody coming alongside you and and holds you up and pray for you and all that stuff. And um, we're gonna they're gonna discuss uh, what I'm preaching this morning. And um, there's a lot to discuss here. I I. I I'm going to warn you now, I'm going to say a lot, okay? And I'm going to do some teaching because, because well, uh, put the slide up for me, okay? Did you know that you get tested in your faith ever? Oh, really? You know, and, and, and the process of testing, the process of whether it's the enemy testing you or I, God tests us. Whichever that is, is it's supposed to produce something. And the word, you know, it says in uh, several translations, says one says patience, one says perseverance. I, I like the translation where it says endurance. Because endurance means I'm able to endure it and keep pushing forward. That's why I picked a, a runner going down a, a, the track, going down the road. Because it keeps, gives us strength to go to the next one, and the next one, and the next one. We persevere. Our faith, the, the trying of our faith doesn't, make, doesn't diminish our faith. It should make us stronger so we can go through to the next one. And, um, and the reason I want to talk about this is I was watching a video a couple days ago. And I'm going to show that video to you at the end of my comments. And it struck me. And I was watching this woman who was essentially crying out in confusion and guilt, and in pain, physical pain, as well as emotional pain, to a man of God for some help, okay? And her question was basically this, I have faith, but I don't see any manifestation, okay? There's no answer to my prayers, not from my prayers or from the prayers of anyone I've sought help from. There's been no manifestation. I don't understand it. I'm willing to wait. I guess it's not my time yet. Um, Everybody's telling me I don't have enough faith. Can you help me? And so I wanna address that because she's not alone. Okay. Now, what Rick said was powerful. Okay? Don't let what you see make you forget what God said. Okay? And we do that a lot. And, and it really goes to, and, and that, that point, Okay, well, there's a lot to unpack here. And, and in her comments and her questions, and it struck me as I'm listening to her, she's representative of a lot of the body of Christ who have, who have heard the word of God have heard the fuller revelation on the word of God as far as healing and salvation, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, prosperity, um, really the whole full gospel message. Back in the day, and I've been a, we've been around this. Now, we're, we're not that old, okay? I'm only 22, okay? No, I'm just, my left leg, am I right? Uh, no, but we've been around the word of faith movement for over 40 years and I've heard it all. And if I haven't heard it all, I don't know what I've missed. I've heard it's called name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. I mean, nonsense about the prosperity message. I've heard the excesses and the abuses. And when I went into the ministry, God called me into the ministry, I determined to preach a balanced word, okay? I want everything God has for me, but I want it in the right way. However, I will say this, Sometimes in our determination to be balanced, we lose out on what God's really got for us. Because, you know, sometimes, of, you know, when people started teaching on faith, we started selling Kenneth Hagin's and Copeland's books back in the 80s. And I heard them say some stupid things. Well, the reason you're sick is because you don't have enough faith or because you're, you're in sin. And it, you know what? It might have possibly been, but there was no grace in that message and no love in that message. And yet, I've determined it is God's will to heal. And sometimes the pendulum has to swing way far one way in order to get people back to where they need to be. Okay? So sometimes in, there's been abuse in some of that. But I would say that what... What I want to preach is what does the Bible say about all these subjects, and I'm not really concerned about your opinion. I want to know what God said, okay? And I would really say it's the it's the new covenant of Jesus Christ. That's what we care about, right? And that's the word we've been trying to preach in this church. And in churches like us, this is not some strange aberration of the gospel, okay? In fact, I would suggest to you that while we may not be like exactly like a New Testament church in the early first century church, we're probably more closely aligned to that church than any place else. I still think the book of Acts is a pattern for the church of Jesus Christ, I believe in signs, wonders, and miracles. I believe that God has so much more for us and, and, and all of that. I, and uh, I have to say that for the first, I, I'm a, if you come into my office back here, tucked away from everybody else, I have a whole wall of books on, on down one side and across the back wall. And at home, i got another wall of books. And I've read every one of them, and I've read them more than once. And I've looked at people like the John G. Lake and, and, and Smith Wigglesworth and, and Charles Price and, and, and uh, the, uh, the Jeffreys brothers. And, and uh, you know, uh, I could go on down, Catherine Kuhlman, Oral Roberts, A.A. Allen, Jack Coe, all the Word of Faith people, all the healing ministries. Because I, I want to know what they did, how they did it. And those aren't my only models, but and I, the Bible's... This is this is Jesus is my model, but all they were doing was they they said they they took the word of God and they believed it. What happened was the early church was like that for about the first three hundred years. But what happened was men began to change the revelation. Well, uh, yeah, they began to change their revelation of God's word to match their experiences rather than suggesting or questioning why their experiences weren't lining up with the word of God. Now, you didn't hear me. What happened was, in about the third century, men began to change because, well... What happened was their experience, they were praying and they weren't seeing what what they thought they should have said. So what they did was they came up with this idea, well, you know, the last apostle died and that's when all this stopped. And because when they prayed, nothing was happening and it couldn't be their problem. It had to be God's changed. So let's change our theology to match our experience. That doesn't work, friend. God hasn't changed. This word hasn't changed. But that's what the church did, okay? And because their experiences weren't matching what they were reading, they manipulated and watered down the word so they didn't have to challenge themselves as to why they weren't experiencing what the early church did, particularly in regard to signs and wonders and miracles and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then in the 1500s, see, i got to teach you some history, You may not have liked history, and I'm going to tell it to you anyway, but in the 1500s, a man by the name of John Calvin got this new revelation, and he came up with something called five-point Calvinism, and a friend of his, Zwingli, in Switzerland, came up with the same idea, and it essentially boils down to is God has predetermined the destiny for every person in this room, in the world. Did you hear me? God has predetermined You're going to heaven and you're going to hell. God has taken choice out of the matter. You don't really have a choice. And some people are going to be saved and some people are going to be lost. Some people might be healed and some people won't. He he eliminates choice and, you know, I could go on down. I mean, I've read books on the whole subject. And what it does is it wants to take the responsibility off of man and put everything on God's shoulders regarding uh, God's sovereignty. Well, God is sovereign. Well, yeah, God is sovereign, but he's not. It, but when you believe in the sovereignty of God, what that says is, well, God could, but he doesn't always. And it's, it's impossible to know the will of God on certain subjects. So we pray, Lord, whatever your will is, be done. And see, it makes God out to be, when you talk about the sovereignty that way, God is, there's a great word I like, capricious. What it means is he's whimsical. He, he, he floats around and he, he changes his mind. And he, okay, you go, you go. You know, and does that sound like God? He, choose, he chooses, you know, sometimes God chooses to invade earth from time to time with a miracle, but rarely, he could do it, but he's not likely to. And, And if that's the truth, why would he ask us to pray? Because essentially what he's really saying is your prayers don't make any difference. I've already determined the outcome. Does that make sense to you? Calvinism is really begging God to do something against his will. His mind's already been made up, so why bother to pray? Because you don't know what the will is, so you know, and and see that is that's in a nutshell. That's not all there is to it. There's more involved there, but that's a paraphrase of essentially Calvinist doctrine, which is the root of the Baptist theology. And I'm not preaching against Baptists. They're Christians. They're going to heaven. I'm just telling you there's a a, a diminished understanding of what God has said in his word. It's because, again, I go back to the point is they have forgotten what God said, and they're trying to match it up with what they see. Okay, That's what Rick said. So I've got a lot of scriptures, and so you're gonna have I'm gonna talk fast, and and I've been accused of doing that a lot, and I apologize to my sister who was up in the booth trying to translate me, and I will try to go as slow as I can, but I I got I gotta get somewhere. So I want you to put up 2 Peter 2, 3, 9. You don't have to turn there, you're not gonna be able to keep up with me, okay? But I I wanna say: the word of God says this: the Lord does not delay his promise as some delay, but is patient with us. Not wanting any to perish, but that all, how many come to repentance? What does that mean to you? That means that God doesn't want anybody to die and go to hell. He wants everybody to be saved. Would you, would you say that's the word of God? I took it right out of 2 Peter 3, 9. Then why do you tell me that it's not God's will to save everybody? The will of God is for everyone to be saved. But how many, be, will everyone be saved? Why? They have a choice. But according to Calvinism, it's why. the why is because it's already been determined. We talk about your days are written in a book, but it doesn't mean, what what that means is God has foreknowledge. He knows what you're going to do. He knows whether you're going to be saved, but that does not diminish the idea that you have a choice to make in the matter. He knows what your choices are going to be. He says, I know the end from the beginning. Let me go back over some foundational things with some, some, some scriptures with you. I just want to put this into your mind. It's going to help you when you're talking to people. And, and I want to deal with some condemnation with guilt, with grace, with love and, and a few of those things. These, this is practical down to earth where the rubber hits the road stuff. I'm going to talk about. Okay. Uh, Cause I want to correct some misconceptions in here and, and, and I hear it and I've heard it in this church and I've heard it outside this church more outside than in here, but still. Okay. Um, It will help you dealing with people who don't necessarily embrace the full gospel message. I I think one of the saddest, put up Hosea 4, 6. This to me is one of the saddest verses in the entire Bible. Okay? Do you not have that one? It says I'll just say it. It says, My people perish for a lack of knowledge. Okay. What does that mean? That means is that. It's all in here, what God has done for us. We see, David said this morning, the promises of God are yes and amen, you know, or all God's promises are yes. But what if I don't know his promises? What if, what if you put a million dollars in my bank account and, and I had not have access to the books and I didn't know it was there? It's still mine, but I can't access it. And that's what it means. My people perish for lack of knowledge. There it is. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. I feel feel bad about that. Because people have been taught all their lives a totally different, it's what they've been taught. We're not the aberration, that is the aberration that you can't, that God's not, you can't know God's will. Matthew 121 says this. Christmas time, we read this verse, and Joseph is in a, has an encounter with an angel in a dream. And, and he tells her to marry to uh, Mary, Mary. <laughs> and, uh, it says she will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, if you've been in this church any length of time, and one of the favorite things I love to teach about when I go someplace else outside, outside the country, go to South America, England, wherever I go is that I love to teach them what that word save means. You know what it means. It's sozo, the Greek word sozo. It means save, heal, deliver to me, made whole. Body, soul, spirit. In every every area, okay? Jesus is going to come and deliver his people, give them eternal life, heal their bodies, heal their minds and emotions, heal their finances, going to give them Going to give them a whole new way of life. Sozo, his people. Matthew chapter 6, verse 8. The people, the disciples, say, teach us to pray. And so Jesus says, you know, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Now he says, don't be like them. He says, because your father knows, do you understand that Jesus knows, God knows what you need before you ask, but what, what does he do? He still says, ask. Why does he say ask? Because you're not going to get it. No, he wants you to ask because he wants to give it to you. He says, you have not because you ask not. Okay. So therefore you should pray like this, our father in heaven." Your name is honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what do we understand from that? The desire that God has for this planet is to make it like it was when, the, when Adam was here in the garden. He says, I want earth to look like heaven. You want to know the will of God? That's what he wants. How much sickness is there in heaven? No poverty either. I don't. You know, it's 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 all of that. Okay. So in chapter math in Matthew eight verse seventeen, Jesus is the fulfillment, and we're going to talk about that in a minute of Isaiah fifty three, and it says the prophet Isaiah spoke this, and he's he's talking about when he he came into a room and he healed everybody that was there. Everyone that ever came to Jesus was healed. How many? every one of them, all, every person who ever came to Jesus, there is no record of anyone who ever came to Jesus that was not healed. Do you understand that? I don't also come across, you know, when I went to do the first funeral I ever had to do, I said, I'm going to look it up, see what Jesus did. He didn't do any funerals. He raised them to life. How does that make me feel? But Isaiah prophesied that himself would would, uh, take away our our, uh, sicknesses and carry away our diseases. It says infirmities and so forth in the King James. But Jesus is the fulfillment of the word. He he came to do what? He came to take away our, our sicknesses and take away our diseases. In the book of Acts, chapter 10, verse 38, it says, it talks about... Peter is preaching to the Gentiles in Cornelius' house. And he, says, he tells them about they all had heard about what Jesus did, how God anointed. Messiah means anointed one. So how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him, Emmanuel. What did Jesus do? Everywhere he went, he went about doing good, And he healed all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. In the book of John, chapter 5, verse 19, we've we've talked about These are familiar verses if you've been here before. But Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. Now, what kind of a relationship do you have to have with God the Father to see what he's doing? Well, a pretty perfect one. But he said, I only do what I see the father doing. So nothing that he did was not what he would see the father doing or had seen the father doing. Are you with me? Okay. The next verse in in chapter 14, verse 9 says, I assure you, the son is not able to do anything. Uh, I'm sorry. Have I been among you all this time without you knowing me, Philip? He's talking to Philip. He said, Philip, show us the father. He says, the one who has seen me has seen the father. So how come you say, show me the father? So if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the father, okay? And I only do what I see the father doing. Okay, now verse 24 says, says this. He says, uh, go to the next one for me, would you? The word that you hear is not mine. But it's the Father who sent me. So I only say what I see, what I hear the Father say. I only do what I see the Father doing. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And finally, Hebrews 1:3 says says it this way. He says, talking about Jesus, he's the radiance of the glory of God. He's the exact expression of his nature. He sustains all things by his powerful word, and then he says he sat down. I like the King James better. It says he is an exact. Image of the Father. So, can you know the will of God? Jesus, who was the Word, is the Word, is an exact image of the Father. If you've seen Him, you've seen the Father. And what did He do? He went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. He said the words of God, He did the work of God. He did the will of God. He said, pray that God's will will be done on earth. So Jesus went about doing the will of the Father. Where does it say he didn't heal anybody who didn't come to him? Where does it say he didn't do the (laughs) the miracle signs and wonders? Because that's the will of God. Make earth look like heaven. And everything that Jesus did, he did as a man filled with the spirit of God. Not as God, because he told us we're going to do even greater works than he did. And that would be a lie if we couldn't do it. So he said, he told us to be filled with the spirit. And after he left, his disciples were filled with the spirit and they went about doing exactly the same thing Jesus did. Nowhere did Jesus ever say, it's not your time yet. Well, I guess it's not. Nowhere did Jesus ever say, now Jesus rebuked people because of their lack of faith. But did he still heal them? That wasn't rhetorical. I expected an answer. Okay. He did say, you don't have much faith. But he still healed him on his faith. Okay. He did say in some places that you can't cast this kind out except with prayer and and fasting. But he still cast them out, didn't he? He always had, listen to me, compassion, patience, hmm, love exhibited to everybody who came to him, even if they had weak faith or no faith at all. Is faith important? Absolutely it's important. That's what I said earlier, Matthew 18, 19 says, if any two of you will agree, absolutely would people join their faith together. Man, what power is there? Okay? The, the prayer of faith offered in faith, it's offered in agreement with other believers is powerful. Yeah. Amen. In, in James chapter five, it says, is there any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church. Okay? Are you suffering? Pray. Are you cheerful? Sing praises. Anybody here sick? Call for the elders of the church. Hello, I'm one. And, and, and they will pray over you and will anoint you with oil in the name of Jesus. And the prayer offered in faith, as a better translation, will save the sick person. And the Lord will raise him up, but if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. So prayer does change things, doesn't it? So one of the foundational scriptures is this one. Put up the next one, Hebrews thirteen eight. It's foundational of the assemblies of God and, and most Pentecostal denominations that Jesus, has Jesus changed? Has the word of God changed? Heaven and earth is going to pass away, but my word established forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If Jesus hasn't changed and he's the word of God and the word hasn't changed, then what changed? The church His word is unchanging. So all of that laid as a foundation and understood what happens to people when they don't see the manifestation of what we have taught them in good faith is the word of God. They prayed in faith, whatever faith they had. They might have had somebody come alongside them and pray with them. okay, In faith and nothing happened they're still in pain or their situation hasn't changed. It's not just about healing. You see, there's so many things that we can deal with. We just look at healing. But so, um, and then somebody tells them, well, it's just not your time yet. Hmm. Or worse, I've heard stupid people say that, you know, maybe you're in sin or you just don't have enough faith. Why do people say this stuff? Because for one thing, they want to, they think they're helping God out. But also because they don't really want to acknowledge that maybe it's their faith that's faulty. And I have to say, having Gone through some things myself. Nobody, nobody escapes his life without going through stuff. That when you're going through something, that's sometimes the hardest time to have faith. And that's when you need somebody to come alongside with you, like Moses had Aaron and her to lift up their hands and help them pray in faith. Not condemning them, not putting them down. You don't have enough faith. That's, that's not compassion. And, and what happens is if this continues or something bad happens to a loved one you've really been praying about, what happens is there comes a sense of guilt or a sense of condemnation. Well, maybe my faith is faulty. And, and if I prayed harder, or if I fasted more, or maybe, maybe something better would have happened. And then what happens is it happens enough It's easy to change your theology to say, well, maybe he doesn't. Maybe it's not his will. You see, you have to understand where people are coming from. He can deliver. He can heal. He can change the situation. But for some reason, he's not chosen to do so. I, I don't know. You know, God can do what he wants. He's sovereign. And that gives us comfort because you know what it does? It takes the pressure off of us. I get it, I, I, I really, really, really do. Believe me, I have prayed strongly in faith for people, and I've seen them die. And I have prayed strongly for people, I, I wanna say it this way, I have prayed weekly for people where I felt absolutely nothing and they got well. I've seen deaf ears open, lame people walk blind, and I felt nothing the entire time I prayed, but God showed up. And other times I felt, oh man, this is it, and they died. So people want to know confusion sets in, discouragement sets in and that's why people want to know how to deal with it. And it's totally understandable. And, and, and it's why a lot of people can't deal with discouragement. And in the midst of that, if it happens enough, they walk away from, from churches like that preach the full gospel or worse, they walk away from God altogether. But which is worse? Believing in faith in God's word and his revealed will and not seeing it, or believing that God has already made a choice concerning you or your loved one and nothing can be done about it. The second one's a lie. I'm I'm, I'm sliding into second here. Let me ask you a question. When did God have the plan of salvation in mind? Isaiah 46, 10, I declare the end from the beginning. From long ago, what is not yet done, say, my plan will take place, I will do my will. God is prophesying. So when did the plan of salvation come into effect? before he spoke the first word of the worlds into existence. He knew what was going to happen. He knew Adam would sin. He knew he'd have to send Jesus. None of this has ever taken God by surprise, okay? He knew we'd have to send Jesus to this world to be sozo, to sozo us. And in fact, I didn't put this up there, but he told, he told Eve in, in Genesis three fifteen that Jesus would come to destroy the works of the evil one, that he would come to bruise the head of Satan. In the, the third chapter of Genesis, the, right after she eats the apple, he tells her, Jesus is coming. 1 John 3.8 says it this way. The one who commits sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The son of God, I like the King James better. The son of God was made manifest to destroy the works of the evil one. For this purpose was the son of God created. I'm not created. For this purpose was the son of God revealed, that he came to earth. What did he come to do? To destroy the works of the evil one. From the very foundation of the world, Jesus came to destroy what the devil was doing in this world. And it's because we live in a fallen world, because of what Eve did, we live in a sin-filled world. We, we, we live in a world of evil. We live in a world of fallen. We live in a world of of. of, of you know, such perversion, and it's getting worse every day. But, but we live in a, in a world that, that Satan has ruled all these years, and then Jesus came to destroy those things, and he did, and he finished that work. But you know what? We're still living into the consequences and the effects of it. Yes, we're, we're not of this world, but we're in it. Amen. Revelation 13.8 says something really powerful, though. All those who live on the earth will worship him. Everyone whose name was not written from the foundation of the world in the book of life who was slaughtered. In other words, at the foundation of the world, God saw. Now, this is is where you get predetermination, predestination. But as I said, foreknowledge is different. God saw who would be saved. And he wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life at that moment. And everyone whose name was not, because they chose not to choose Jesus, was killed. But it says even those people are going to worship him. But at the foundation of the world, this plan came into fact. So we talk all the time about the finished work of Jesus. But let me tell you, the work of Jesus was finished in God's mind before he created the earth. Jesus fulfilled the plan and he fulfilled the will of God on this earth. Everything he walked about on this earth doing was the will of God. Are you with me? He fulfilled all the prophecies about him. He fulfilled the plan. And when he went to the cross, he fulfilled the work. In Luke chapter 4, verse 16, he came to his his hometown in Nazareth and he he said, uh, uh, said, The Spirit of the Lord God's upon me. Did you get that for me? Yeah. It's supposed to be 4, not 14. Okay, I got it. Okay, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, as usually he comes into the synagogue on the Shabbat and on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read it. And he took the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and he unrolled it to the place where it was written. And, and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed set free the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he told him today, he rolled up the scroll, gave it to the attendant and sat down and everybody's eye was fixed on him. He said, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. And then they tried to kill him for it. They couldn't receive it. Isaiah said in Isaiah 53, four, himself bore our sicknesses. And carried away our pains. But we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement that would bring us peace was laid upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We turned to our own way and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And, I, and Matthew translates that sicknesses and diseases. God saw it done. Listen, this is important. God saw it done before it manifested on the earth. But Jesus still had to come and pray for the sick, didn't he? He still had to come and cast out demons. He still had to come and and, uh, preach the good news. He still had to come and raise the dead. He still had to come and love the world and then die for this world. He fulfilled the plan and then he passed the plan on to his disciples who now went around in the same anointing that the Holy Spirit of God had on Jesus was now upon them, baptized in the Holy Spirit, able to cast out, able to heal, able to preach the gospel, to raise the dead, do all the things that Jesus did and tell them and tell the church the truth in love and then the church because they weren't experienced in what the apostles had destroyed the truth watered down compromised the word to match their experiences because they didn't have the relationship the apostles had they didn't have the relationship that Jesus had the problem wasn't the word of God or knowing the plan the problem was in their relationship with God Jesus had a unique relationship with the Father, but it wasn't supposed to be unique. We're supposed to be able to have the same thing. He told us in John 14, we would do even greater works once He leaves and comes. The Holy Spirit comes to us. And the church did it for a while. And let's be honest people get tired, people get lazy, people get hurt, people get discouraged. People strive to walk in the word, but without relationship, no manifestations will come except for the grace of God. And so manifestations suffer lack and, and diminish and, and, and so, so forth. And, and we still believe in God, so, so huh, it can't be us. It, it, it must be we don't understand that this was all supposed to just be for a season and to be done. Now, I'm not saying this to condemn anyone or to put any guilt on anybody in the past or now, because I know my relationship with God could be better. I don't know about yours, but I know what mine is. And I thank God for his grace. I know I'm saved, but I know I can do better. So 120 years ago, still in a history lesson, this revelation of the early church came back into our world. And ever since then, we've been growing in the revelation of the word and in the manifestation of the things of God, uh, of healings and salvations and supernatural signs and wonders, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, all that stuff. We call it the finished work of Jesus. But the work was finished before we started it. And we're called to walk in that anointing, to preach the full revelation, to lay hands upon the sick, to cast out demons, to speak with new tongues, to raise the dead, to be his hands extended into this world, to destroy the works of the evil one. But we are imperfect vessels. We try, and sometimes we succeed, and sometimes we fail. Sometimes God succeeds through us, is a better way to say it, And or often, I would say, he succeeds in spite of us. But that doesn't mean we have the right to blame anybody and tell them they don't have any faith. To blame others' sin or to condemn and put guilt trips on people, nor should we walk around like a second-class citizen in the kingdom of God because we haven't seen what we were told to expect to see. God doesn't love anyone any less or any more than he does anybody else. says he doesn't play favorites. He has no respecter of person. As for doctors and medicine, I would never, and I hope you never would, put anybody down for seeking help from a medical profession. Understand something. All good wisdom flows from the throne of God. You don't think that Jonas Salk got the cure for polio from the devil, do you? The thief comes to steal, to rob, to destroy, to kill. But Jesus came to bring us life, and that more abundantly. So whatever wisdom the medical profession has was given to them by God. Take advantage of it. But the problem is, is for the most of the Western church, we put our trust in the medical stuff first and in God second. Dick Sands, who most of you know, who was a pastor there in Ocean City for so many years, had a a lesion on his nose. He had melanoma. He was a man of faith. He trusted God totally. He said, I'm not going to go to the doctor. And he died from that melanoma. I don't know if the doctors could have helped him or not. But that was his choice. I don't know what I would do. But see, it's up to every person to come up to the determination of what's right for you. And I can't condemn you because you chose to go to the doctor or because he didn't. Do you understand me? That's something you got to work. It says, work out your own salvation between you and God. I know what the Word of God says. And I'm going to, look, I want to tell you something. I walked around, I tore my Achilles tendon playing soccer with my grandson a number of years ago. I walked around for a month claiming my healing. And a month later, nothing had manifest. And because I waited so long, I messed up my leg. They had to go in and cut the scar tissue off and, and made, made the, made the, a tendon shorter. Now they had to cut my calf muscle and pull it down to make it long enough to get it. So I walk with a limp because of it. But I trusted God. That was right for me. If I had any brains, I might've gone to the doctor sooner. But that was my, that was my prayer. I would never ask you to do what I did. If you cut your finger or you cut your wrist and blood is spurting out of that artery and you say, in the name of Jesus, close up, and it doesn't, I suggest you put a Band-Aid on it. Do you understand? But I have to make that determination. If I pray and nothing happens, it's up to me to determine what to do. But my source is Jesus first, because I believe it's his will if you don't, that's fine. We need to exhibit some love. We need to have some compassion and some grace because you know what? We're all growing. If you've arrived, hallelujah, but I think you lied. Because I've not arrived and I don't know anybody that has. I know people have a greater revelation, lesser revelation, some have more faith, some have less faith. But I'm not going to be dogmatic about it, and I'm not going to point fingers at people. We're all learning together. Let's walk in, you know, in a little bit of grace together for a change, okay? But I'm sick of hearing excuses for God. Well, it wasn't their time. I, I had a man come in there in the middle of the funeral. I said you had no problem because his, his mother passed away because, it, well, it goes in God's will. I just wanted to just bite him. But I understand, well, if it had been his will, wouldn't he have healed her? You see, that's the argument. Now, just before we finish, see this video, and it's about 10 minutes, so I want you to just, you know, we're gonna go past noon, maybe five minutes. So I think, can y'all handle that? I want you to put up James 1 for me again. James. Connie has, I got her one of these recumbent bicycles and it's up in the bedroom I use for my office. And all day long, she goes up there and pedals that bicycle when I'm trying to work. <laughs> she has her Bible open and she keeps quoting me scriptures and then she's mad because I'm not listening. <laughs> I'm trying to listen, I'm trying to do three things at the same time. But she did have a good revelation on this. She said, have you read this in James where it says, count it all joy whenever you experience different trials? Yeah, I've read it several hundred times. No, she said, you didn't get it, count it all joy. Not for the trial, okay, are you with me? We're not counting it joy because we're suffering. Jesus came to eliminate suffering. The devil loves to have you suffer. You know, I have a question. If it's God's will for me to be sick, why am I paying for health insurance? Why am I going to the doctor? Just, just suffer and die. I mean, Seriously. I mean, aren't we going against the will of God if we're going to the doctors and asking for treatment and all this stuff? I mean, isn't that what we're saying? Well, it's not God's will to heal you. Well, then why try? Save a lot of money. But he says, count it all joy when you experience trials. How many feel happy in the midst of a trial? I'm not. But look what it says. Knowing that the trying of your faith produces endurance. So I go through this trial. It gives me strength to go through the next trial. See, here's here's the problem. You can come out of a trial three ways, unchanged, you go out the same way you come in, and you didn't learn a thing. All you did was complain, moan, and groan, murmur, and all that other stuff. And you got through it somehow, and nothing changed in you. The second way you can come is to be discouraged. I prayed, nothing happened, I didn't see it. My faith is diminished, I'm angry at God, I'm defeated, I'm depressed, I'm discouraged, I don't understand what in the world's going on, there's confusion that's reigning in my... Let me tell you what, who's the author of confusion? Or the last way and the proper way is I come out of this trial with more faith in God. I know I was going through a mess. Maybe I caused it, maybe I didn't, but I am resolved to keep pressing on, to persevere. I am not going to be defeated. No matter what comes my way, I am going to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. So count it joy. Another trial. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Mm, But I'm going forward. endurance to help me run the race, help me finish the course set before me. Now, I want you to watch this video. It's Todd White, dealing with a lady, and then I'll come back and uh, we'll close this up.
1: I came here with a physical condition. My arms are still hurting a lot. I've been prayed over so many times, and I'm okay with God's timing, and I believe I'm healed in in the heavenly realm. I'm just still waiting for it to manifest, and I think I'm okay processing that part of it, but I've been told so many different things that are messing with my head, like there's something wrong in the way I'm thinking, in my mind. I don't have enough faith. This should.
2: When be. it comes to healing?
1: Yeah, that I'm still healing because probably 40 people prayed for me. And I always feel guilty about that. And because every time they ask me, are you better? I, I'm being honest. I said, no. And <laughs> what hurts me is and they go, well, that's not right. That's not true. It's almost like if I say I'm still hurting, they're upset with me so still hurting and and it's like no this is this is not right we can't be I feel almost rejected because but
2: are you rejected
1: no okay it's just confusing it's okay
2: I get it Would Jesus tell you any of those things would he say it's not God's timing would he say that to you did he say that to anybody No, no okay did he ever tell anybody you need more faith
1: I'm sorry. Did he
2: ever tell anybody that you need more faith? Come back when you get more faith. Did he ever tell anybody no, that? No, he didn't. No. Okay. Did he, ever, did he ever tell anybody the things that you're, that you're saying that people have said to you? No. Okay. Then it's not God. But, but friend, it's okay. But watch. Listen. Yeah, I, I, I understand. That. But people are growing. They're growing in faith. And, and a lot of times when people don't see something happen... They have to come up with a reason, a logical reason of why not. And it's the easiest thing to blame you for it.
1: But it was my own pastor
2: too. Okay, but it's still, but watch, now listen, your pastor's not Jesus. Amen. Okay, and so you need to let that thing go because you don't ever want bitterness in there, right? Your pastor's growing in God, but a lot of times when a pastor's praying, sometimes all eyes are on the pastor and if he's the man of God so if that doesn't happen for pastor, sometimes they have to say face in order to protect who they are as a pastor and unfortunately it is at the cost of you, right? so you have to let that stuff go because that's not the Lord Jesus wouldn't say those things to you this is really important that all of you are hearing this Really. and I'm not faulting a pastor or nailing a pastor or plastering him, I'm not is wonderful. It, uh, I right. But it's unfortunate that sometimes so here's the deal. Jesus, let's just let's just go after this a little, okay? And this is for everybody, okay? I'm so glad that you brought this up. Okay? All right. First of all, Jesus never laid fault on anybody, and it always happened when he prayed. You know,
1: I thought I don't get manifestations because it's okay. Right now
2: watch. Off. Just yeah, because so. just because you didn't get a manifestation doesn't mean that you're not a woman of God. Do you love the Lord? Absolutely. With everything you are. Yes. There's Lord. nothing in, in, in my heart when I'm talking to you that, would, that, would, that I would be disgruntled about your walk with Jesus. You're full of integrity. You'll never try to hurt anybody. You, you. give the shirt off your back for anybody at any time, anywhere you are. You're doing it for your family. Yeah. You do it for anybody. So the enemy wants to try to trap you in a mindset to get you. And if you didn't talk about this, you'd probably be trapped. So let's nail this thing, okay? All right. So Jesus, I'm just going to back up a minute and just going to teach a little, okay? This is really healthy. God sent his son, right? So the world through him might be saved. But when he sent his son, Jesus came and Colossians 1.15 says that Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. So when you see Jesus, you see what God would look like, how God would respond, how he would act, how he would heal, how he would talk, right? How he would walk. So when you see Jesus, you see a perfect picture of the Father. Hebrews 1-3 says that Jesus was the express image of the Father. So the exact image of the Father. Jesus came to reveal the Father, right? So anything that you, can, that you hear from people that doesn't line up with the life of Jesus isn't God. It has to line up with that. That doesn't mean that people aren't growing. That doesn't mean that people aren't trying because they are. But unfortunately, sometimes because we're taught logic, and logic is a war with faith. Like when I, when I pray for somebody's amputated legs to grow back, and I don't see them grow back. Can you imagine me telling them they need more faith? That would be crazy. Can you imagine me going up to a little blind girl that's three years old that can't see, me praying for her and telling her she needs to get more faith? Can you imagine that? That doesn't even make sense, right? <clears throat> Everything Jesus did was the will of God. Jesus came down to, he- to the earth. in John 8 to do the will of him who sent him so his every step every word everything he did was exactly the will of God in every way shape or form right so Jesus has to be my model this helps us in a way that if we're praying for somebody and we don't see breakthrough we need to move from faith to faith from glory to glory but I can't blame the person I'm praying for does the bible say these signs will follow those being prayed for does it say that? These signs will follow them being prayed for. It doesn't. It says, these signs will follow them that believe. They will lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. Right? So therefore, when somebody's getting prayer and it doesn't happen, I'm waiting for the church to actually get to a place where they're told, well, you need more faith. Wait a minute, the Bible said that I'm supposed to come to somebody to get prayer, and I need your faith, so please pray for me. I need your faith. If you have faith, I'll be healed. That pretty much annihilates the whole get more faith. Now, we can grow together, and we can bring our faith together and go after something to be made whole, but if you let that thing get personal and get hit, I've talked to thousands of people on airplanes, and everywhere I go that have gone through the same thing that you're telling me right now except a lot of them won't bring up anything and they just sit there in hurt and in pain and they withdraw away from the church because they figure every time they've asked they're rejected by somebody or somebody says this and they put the guilt, it's a guilt thing so what the enemy wants to also do is he wants to twist that thing to where it's only a matter of time to where you're so hurt that you won't come back to church I'm not saying you're there but I'm saying that's his goal. His goal is to separate the flock, divide and separate, right? We need to pray for you so that your arms get healed. We want that. As far as benefit, does that make sense with all that? Yes. Okay, be very careful. Never, ever let that stuff get in your heart. Always know this, that Jesus would have never told me that. Don't say that to them, because like when you correct a pastor, it's yeah. not healthy. <laughs> it can be yucky, and especially if you're in front of people. Because I've heard people do that too, like yeah. just. But make sure that you keep your heart pure in that. We want to pray for you so that your arms would be healed. And, are Are and, you in pain?
1: Yes. And regarding the question about the fire in. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah.
2: We'll hit that in a second. Okay. Let's pray for your arms.
1: Oh, I can't move my hands without
2: pain. Okay. All right. Okay. Let's just pray. come here let's pray for you you're not allowed to fall down (laughs) no you're not allowed to burn since you said that no burning no father we just thank you in the name of jesus god spirit of infirmity we curse you and command you let her go right now in jesus name I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Hands, you be healed. Arms, be healed. Shoulders, neck, be loosed right now. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for complete wholeness right now. In Jesus' name. Start to move your hands. In Jesus' name. Hands, be loosed. Arms, be loosed now. We command this to get out. Spirit of infirmity, I command you, let her go now in Jesus' name. Jesus' name, let her go now. In Jesus' name, let go now. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name, let her go now. Jesus' name, Jesus' name, go. In Jesus' name. Can you move your hands for me? Tell me what you're feeling right now. Where's the pain? Is it up here? I understand. Okay. Is it your elbows? Your elbows, can you hold them? Hey, give Jesus a big shout, will you?
0: Hey, praise the Lord. Now, yeah, he said, I said everything he said and more. concerns me is we feel the need to apologize for God or something, I don't know. Can I tell you that sometimes, you know, last week I I preached on speaking the word. Do you know it's important to speak the word? But you know when we speak the wrong word, did you know Jesus loves us anyway? Don't point fingers at me because I said the wrong word. It's okay to tell me, hey, you know, you said the wrong word. sometimes I've been known to speak words that weren't of faith, but we're all growing. And can I tell you that this concerns me? Somebody left this church over this issue. They said, well, we believe in healing. Well, okay, but can I tell you that I don't have to agree with you on everything? Good luck finding the perfect church because as soon as you show up, it's no longer perfect. We can agree to disagree on some of the minor stuff. I don't think it's a game changer. If, if you don't want to buy everything, that's fine. You know what? We can have fellowship. And I'm not going to put you down because you disagree. I'll pray that your God will open your eyes. And maybe you're praying the same thing for me. I don't know, but... We need each other to encourage us. We need to be Aaron and her to each other. We need to help us in our revelation and our walk with the, with the Lord and to and, and that's that's why we have these home groups. That's why we have Wednesday night. We're all learning. None of us have arrived. If you think you've arrived, man, you're you're in real trouble. You know, and 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 Sometimes we get on each other's last nerve, but that's what happens in families. Remember Thanksgiving? But we love each other. And we're merely trying and we're striving to finish the race with endurance. Finish the course that's, that's set before us. I'm going to trust the word of God over everything else, over what you say or anybody else says, I trust what God says. And if my revelation is imperfect, I'll pray that God open my eyes. I'm going to pursue the word. I'm going to pursue that goal. No, no matter what I see, I'm not going to forget what God has said. I like that, Rick. And I hope you will too. I love you. I hope you love me. Let us help each other become fulfillers of the sozo word of God. Because there's so much more. I've been in too many places, from the jungles of South America to the plains of Africa to the Middle East and, the, and India and all over the world. And I have seen, everywhere I've gone, I've seen the hand of God move in miraculous, faith. I've seen the blind see the lame walk the deaf hear. And you know what? It's coming for you too. We've seen it in here. I just told you about one that happened 10 years ago. The problem is, is we don't always see this often. And we've seen people die recently that we really cared about and really prayed for. And, And it's a struggle with people. And you know, it's like the elephant in the room. Nobody wants to talk about it. Well, I'm talking about it. Yeah, I know Cindy's sister died. I know her mother died. And I know she had faith. And I don't doubt that for a second. And I don't know why they died, but I know this. This doesn't lie. So I'm just going to pursue God more. And believe with me. Help me. The next one that comes will believe with even more faith. No matter what we see, it hasn't changed God. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let it with all joy, count it all joy. My brothers, when you endure, when, when, when testing and trials come because the testing of our faith will produce endurance. I'm going to finish this race. How about you just bow your head with me this morning. Lord, I, I pray. If you're here and Jesus Christ isn't your Lord or you're watching us on YouTube or Facebook this morning and you're not right with God, you just say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. and Come into my heart. I want to live for you. I want to put you in the first place in my life. But I pray for each of us today that we will put the word of God first in our life. We will not be moved by feelings, guilt, condemnation, or the words of other people. We will only be moved by the word of God. And we're standing upon a rock that cannot, we cannot be shaken if we're established on the rock of Jesus Christ and upon his word. For it's established in the heavenlies forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Father, I thank you Help us grow in the revelation of God. Help us come alongside each other. Help us come alongside those people that, Lord, in in this community, there are thousands of people who have no idea what we're talking about in this church this morning. Help us reach out to them in love and faith. And pray for them. And encourage them. And not be discouraged if we don't see or we do see. And when we do see, we'll, we'll, we'll celebrate with them. And even if they say the wrong things, it's okay, we'll love them and we'll love each other. And Lord, as we come together as with a unified voice to pray, as a unified voice to worship, as a unified body to to do life in this community, O God. Help us to be strong in the Lord and the power of your might. Help us to be strong in Jesus. Help us to love one another, as we heard this morning, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Help us, O God, to love you first and everything you stand for. And we'll thank you for the victory and we'll give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Stand to your feet with me. Just lift your hands to the Lord this morning. I bless you. You are the head and not the tail. You're blessed going in and coming out. You are more than conquerors. These are all. This is all the word of God. You are blessed in the city and blessed in the field. You're blessed going in and coming out. You're blessed at whatever you put your hand to in your basket and store. Your families are blessed. Your marriages are blessed. Your children are blessed. They're saved, healed, and delivered. Your finances are blessed. You're walking in the divine favor of God because you are an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ To every promise he has made, they are yours. Jesus fulfilled the plan and now go and fulfill his plan in your life that he has already ordained for you and saw you do, finish the work that Jesus has, be his hands extended into a world that's hurting, confused, and in pain. In Jesus' name, and all those who agree, say amen. I love you, God bless you. We'll be here Wednesday night with David Metz. Hallelujah.